Alright. Get over here. Alright. <laughs> Alright, konnichiwa my friends, and welcome to a special episode of Master Samurai Tech Radio. This is a podcast by Appliance Techs for Appliance Techs, and we got a little video action going on today. Yes. Today is October 30th, 2015, and this is episode 12, and we're your hosts, Samurai Appliance Repairman and... Mrs. Samurai. Hey, and Samurai. Dobby. And Dobby. Oh, <laughs> Dobby. Samurai Kitty. So, how you Oops, doing he tonight? didn't like that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> he ran away. Did that freak him out? Yeah. Everything freaks him out, though. So, how you doing today, Miss Samurai? I am good. We are way too far apart, we though. We are. We're thousands of miles apart. You're up way up there in Yankee Land, up there in New mm-hmm. Hampshire. And I'm down here at the Cradle of Civilization in Atlanta, Georgia. Well, and, cra- and for people listening to the podcast, <laughs> we are also recording the video of this. So, there may be little references to visual things, and that's, that's what's happening. Right. So, yes. Uh, thanks for mentioning that. Just to set it up... Um, give a little background when I say special episode. That's what's special about it is that we are doing this as a video. So a video showing up as like a split screen, me on one side, you on the other, and then there's mm-hmm. the normal audio component. We're going to break out just the audio component for the regular uh, podcast subscribers on iTunes or Android. And um, we'll have the video component that we'll post at our YouTube channel. Yes, assuming all the technology works the way we think it's going to work. Quite the ordeal um, getting this debugged, and so hopefully it'll turn out okay for from a user experience. So moving right along, you got some industry news for us today, don't you? I do. Awesome. Let's see. Get my notes here. Let's talk industrial. I like this though. I like looking at you while we're talking. So you know, look directly at you if you like. You know. Instead each of sitting audience, side by side, instead of side by side at the <laughs> mic, so instead different. of the microphone, yeah. But this is actually in a lot of in a ways is kind of easier. All right. Something well, easier. you know, but we'll anyway, have to I, be I apart more often. Yeah, I broke your train of thought, so go ahead. No problem. So, uh, I've got a little uh, company consolidation news. We talk about that a lot with you know the whole GE merger mm-hmm. pending and things like this. This is over in Germany. Um, BSH, which stands for Bosch. I never knew this. Bosch Siemens Hausergate. Oh, I thought of Herzegovina. <laughs> well, close enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, the Siemens part of that equation. The unfortunately which, named. Well, spelled differently. Uh-huh. Uh, they Bosch and Siemens had pooled their home appliance businesses back in the 60s, but Siemens is pulling out of that and they are going to I guess stay focused on their all their electronic stuff um, so BSH will continue but Siemens will no longer be a part of that. So Siemens is originally an electronics company? Isn't is that, it? Is that what you I, I don't know. I always wondered That's about this BSH business myself I mean I knew there was Bosch Siemens I didn't know what the H was for and didn't know the history there but anyway Right, um, but and, and it's interesting because we just saw a Siemens branded uh, dishwasher not long ago mm-hmm. up here, which is that's the first I recall. Um, so I suppose we won't anymore. So it's uh, kind days of is gone. consolidation. Yeah. Uh, as Siemens is pulling out of that 
of the home appliance market. Also, those Chinese, the wacky Chinese are up to... What are those Chinese up to now? So one of, there's a company called Hisense, which is the second largest major appliance manufacturer in the People's Republic of China. And they now are marketing their first product in the U.S. and Canada, and it is a home vending machine. You're so me. you load up cans and bottles in this thing and you actually it's pay for buttons. it. Well, yeah, you buy this. It's, it's for dispensing cans and bottles. Wow. You know, it's got buttons and the buttons are labeled beer. Cause I went on and looked at their website. They demonstrate <laughs> it. You can have beer, soda, water. You know, you don't get any like refinement of your choices. You take yeah. what comes out when you push the button. Um, not sure that's going to take off. Wait, but does it dispense actual cans or does it like uh, dispense it, squirt it into a cup? Cans, like okay. like a, a vending machine. That it's is, you know, like actually, it's, that's a way to get people machine. to control their usage, their consumption. If there's a consumption problem and you got to pay, you know, two bucks a can. Thing, you don't pay. You wait, just press wait. the button and it pops out. Oh, no, because I'd asked if you, if you actually pay for them. Do you, oh, sorry, I missed that. Do but you actually no. put coins into the machine to pay no? for it? Okay. No, it's so it's sketchy. You know, you push yeah. a button and it pops out versus opening a door and pulling it out. Right. Not sure we're going to see a lot of those. It'll be interesting. Um, the other thing that the Chinese are up to. Just to, is, uh, just to give you a little um, tip, you're, you're popping on your mic a little bit. If you can just take your mic and just move it down a little. There you go. There you go. Right there. Go right. ahead. Let me know if that's better. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Have you heard of this? I haven't even asked you. Wire-free charging of devices, electronic devices. So wireless charging is a thing. Uh, uh, there's something called Watt Up. Give, 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 uh, yeah, explain that. Give, I don't, I'm not sure what that means. All right. So this patent pending solution delivers power via the same radio bands as a Wi-Fi router. So it's a wire-free way to charge up your devices. So basically, you walk into a room that has this going, and it starts charging your device as soon as you enter the room. Um, That's... That's crazy. So now you got to wonder if it's got enough power to charge a battery in the in that that microwave or whatever spectrum (laughs) they're doing this in. What is that doing to us? (laughs) <laughs> See? Wait, I, I mean, just, you know, know. We're, we're like getting fried now. That <laughs> must be in the range of milliwatts or wattage, maybe even to affect tissue. You got to think. You got to wonder. I, well, I, I'm, you know, they're experimenting on the Chinese as we speak because <laughs> this technology is already in Asian markets. And what they're doing is they're putting it into appliances. So, you could, yeah, I mean, refrigerators, washing machines, dryers, etc. Um, and it's already being sold in Asian markets. This is higher. Why would you um, need it? Why would you need it in appliances? I don't, I'm not following that part. Well, it's integrated so that you can have your appliance charging your devices if you're in the kitchen. So you're okay. So you're you've got your phone on you. You walk in the kitchen, and your phone automatically starts charging because your refrigerator is blasting out this this uh, yep. microwave beam with some wattage to it. Yep. So these are higher appliances. H e i h e i r. H a i e r. Okay, right. 
and they're wireless appliances. So presumably you, it goes both ways. You know, you they probably have apps where you can interact with the appliance, but they're also transmitting wow. this watt up technology. That's crazy. To charge your devices. Nuttiness, goofiness, I so tell you. They're not only like <laughs> zapping your food, they're zapping you while you're in the kitchen. I mean, really? But, hey, you won't run out of battery on your phone. You've got to be getting zapped. I just can't, I can't believe there's there's not an a consequential effect on human tissue. Yeah. yeah. With that. I, so that's one angle of the story, but mm-hmm. the other is, you know, Keep an eye on how this does in the Asian market because if it's popular, it might be coming our way. Oh, that's it's a Buck Rogers thing for sure. I mean that that is like Tesla, free energy from the air type stuff that he talked about. There's a there's a huge cool factor to this, but at the same time, there is a biological concern yeah. factor as well. Yeah. So, so that is my industry news. That's cool. That was some cool stuff. So yes. All right. Well, let's um go right along. Then we got a, uh, some points of site news that I'm looking at here. One just wanted to bring to everybody's attention a new blog post over at the Master Samurai Tech blog and that you can get directly to our blog by the way if you go to mstblog.info mstblog.info I-N-F-O so it's mstblog all one word. That'll take you directly to our blog page and it's not the latest post but it's the second most recent post that's up there on Loose Connections and Heat. It was also in the most recent United Services Association newsletter. Mm-hmm. And it's, it talks about this whole idea of, because I, and we get, I get asked this uh, from students periodically, how do loose connections make heat? When we've all seen these burnt connections like on dishwasher junction boxes and things. And the question is, why? I get this from customers when they see this. Why did that connection burn up? Well, because it was loose. Well, how does a loose connection cause it to burn up? Because there's when something is loose, mechanically loose, we're talking about like wire nuts that aren't holding the wires together all the way, then you get you introduce resistance in there, or it could be you know there's some oxidation that builds up on the metal, and you introduce some resistance. That resistance is what produces the heat as the current flows across it, right? Because um, you know you get the current flowing through a resistor, and you're going to have some voltage drop there. You're also going to be giving off some amount of heat that you can calculate in watts as power. Mm-hmm. P is equal to I squared R. So you take the current flow that's flowing through there times the resistance of that high resistance connection. And Oh, by the way, high resistance connections, when we say high resistance, we're talking, it's all relative. So we're talking high relative to zero because a good connection should have a, a resistance of exactly zero. If you're, even one ohm can be significant. You taught, and most high resistance connections are just in the order of single ohms, you know, like five ohms. Use that as a typical one. And that's the example I use in the video on this blog post that I'm pointing you to. Um, I actually run through and show you how that works in a circuit and how much uh, heat is given off by that little five ohm. You know, think about five ohms. That's like in the error of measurement for a lot of the lower end meters, right? Five ohms, that's not much. Yet that's enough. In some circuits, like a, in the example I use, a bake element circuit when the, with the uh, connected to 240 and a typical bake element in there, and then you have that little 5 ohm high resistance connection in series with that bake element. That resistance can put that just that high, 5 ohm resistance can put out 200 watts of heat. That's more than enough to burn up wires. 
So mm-hmm. even one ohm connection in that circuit would put out like 40 watts of heat. Well, given enough time, that's going to uh, you know, cause charring and, and wires as well. So anyway, I show you how to do that in all the details. I just want to call your attention to that. And I run through the calculations on that. Real simple stuff, Ohm's Law stuff. Also dispelled um, and showed you, remember last uh, episode, I talked about one of the uh, misconceptions that was being promulgated out there uh, by a manufacturer talking about how that loose connection actually causes the current, the circuit to draw more current. In fact, the opposite happens, and I go through and show that, uh, how that happens, and explain the mythology behind that. Another tech myth busted! And you usually are busting myths with Ohm's Law. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? Because there's no other way to keep your thinking straight on electricity. It's not anecdotal, it's not mythology, and this is how a lot of... If you think you can understand electricity without understanding like simple math, like an Ohm's law, you're, you're kidding yourself. You, you don't understand mm-hmm. electricity. If you don't understand Ohm's law, you simply don't understand electricity. Fact. It's just a fact. I mean, you may, oh, I got experience, you know this, but you know, you can't really figure stuff out. You see some different configuration. You, you can't figure out what's going on there. So mm-hmm. powerful tool. Um, just wanted to point that out to you. And also we had a webinar last week, didn't we, Miss Samurai? We did our uh, biggest attendance to date it at a was. webinar. It was fantastical. I mean, we um, well, we did. I think a couple reasons for that. Um, it was a topic a lot of guys were interested in because we went over several real-world tech sheets for modern appliances. Just looking at the uh, Dobby just walked in there, looking yeah. at the um, schematic symbols that are used, some of the weird symbology that's used on the tech sheets, and. Uh, going through some of the various constructions of tech sheets and how to use them, how to apply them. I, mean, I think we actually went through five of them, including <laughs> one of them. Is, <laughs> oh, daubers. Including, one, including a Samsung uh, refrigerator. So, had, um, so that was an interesting topic for people. We'd been promoting the webinar for over a week and had announced it on our Facebook page and, of course, over at Appliantology. And we also held it later in the evening. So we did it at um, 8 o'clock mm-hmm. in the evening, Eastern Time, to give the West Coasters an op- more of a uh, fighting chance of getting there. So all that together, right. we had a, a really big turnout. And, and lots. I think a lot of, pe- a lot of guys uh, enjoyed it. Um, we had to go kind of fast. We only planned on doing it about an hour, but we actually ended up going like an hour and 20 minutes. And everybody wanted to keep going, so... That was good. I'm thinking that's kind of a good um, topic to keep doing Um, that kind of uh, as a recurring webinar topic, just like, you know, every month, pick some tech sheets. And so what I want to do is ask you guys uh, out there, um, you watchers, listeners, if you've got uh, particular tech sheets that you'd like to see us go over, go ahead and suggest them to me, send it to me, whatever. Um, Give me the, the model number of the, you know, brand and model number of the appliance. I can pull a tech sheet usually. And uh, be happy to take that. So in particular yeah. questions about that tech sheet, that's what we're always looking for. So because what I'd like to do is maybe see about doing this type of webinar um, maybe once a month. That might be a little ambitious, but um, mm-hmm. once a month, at, at least every other month. If we, and then try to go through fives maybe a bit much. So maybe just pick three and, uh, and spend a little more time on each one and just do like an hour. So that's right. kind of my thought. So uh, looking for suggestions from you guys. If you've got particular tech sheets you'd like us to go over. Uh, want to hear from you, and you can give us comments. You know, tell me on Voxer uh, or on our YouTube channel comments, or over at the Master Samurai Tech blog. I mean, a lot of different ways you can get a hold of us. Can you use the contact form. Yeah, contact form at mastersamuraitech.com or at appliantology.org. A lot of different ways to get a hold of me. 
hold of us. Um, just anyone will do. Oh, yeah. Um, but I also had a, had a thought on that is the webinar, the way we did it, where we're going over tech sheets. It's just that, that meme that we're talking about, this whole idea that everybody thinks they need hands-on training when really what you need is brains-on training. In this modern day and age of YouTube, what you really need is brains-on training. Going over the tech sheet, going over the circuits, going over the inputs and outputs, going over the flow of things and, and the, some of the algorithmic uh, aspects of the control board that we as technicians need to know to understand how this board is working and understand how to interact with it. And then the whole idea of you have to have um, hands-on for teardown, uh, not in this day and age of YouTube. I really don't believe you do. I think we can forget about you know wasting time in training mm -hmm. on you know shipping product in and going up there and practice taking it apart you know doing monkey training for disassembly i can watch a youtube and get that i can put the put the uh, video on my ipad and take that with me on the service call if i if i need that kind of information for that matter i can just look up the service manual and and if it's a good one where they've got uh, pictorial disassembly steps that's good enough to show me with some explanations on it i don't need to spend half a day in training Taking, taking actual product apart. I don't get anything out of that. What I right. need is information that only the manufacturer can get me while I'm in that training session. And that's Yeah, I mean, how great would it be yeah. to be able to grill the, the manufacturer representative about these schematics and some of the mysteries yeah. and then, that, and, that you encounter? And get a heads up on things that could actually... What are some of the weak points? What are some of the early... Uh, failures you guys are seeing back in the engineering department that give us a heads up on you know what is if we see kind of this kind of weird reading what what's that going to mm -hmm. translate into in terms of a symptom uh, or vice versa what kind, if we see a symptom what what kind of weird voltage do we look for it's like, those kinds of questions are the ones that we really need to know about not how to remove a trim piece to get the bullnose off a of range i mean video so the right. whole that's the whole meme that i just wanted to um reintroduce and keep yes. alive out there spread so, the word spread the word guys so i really i think the webinar just made me think about that again i mean just <laughs> getting together and going over the the actual technology of this stuff um all right moving on we have um some business talk items ah this was from a question on our youtube channel i believe um somebody had posted this as a comment and that's great, great, great place to post suggestions for uh, other podcast topics you'd like to hear us talk about on our YouTube channel. Um, so somebody had asked, how do you handle uh, a problem when you're on a service call and there's no problem found? So you, customer obviously calls in, wants the service call because there's a problem. You get there and there's no problem found. How do you handle yeah. that? How do you charge for that? Ah, this is a great question. And I think yeah. my, one of my, um, the way you handle that, first of all, you got to recognize a couple things. One, you actually did set aside time. In, in our case, we do two-hour windows. We scheduled that two-hour slice of time for that customer. So, yes, you are still owed at least your service called diagnostic fee because that's a slot of time that could have been assigned to another customer. So, mm -hmm. yes, you still, you still have to get that, that compensated for that. You actually did schedule that time. You actually showed up. You actually did bring to bear your knowledge and experience in assessing and analyzing that appliance to make the determination that you couldn't find a problem. You were physically there. So there, you know, some guys are thinking, well, there's no problem, so I can't really charge anything. And, oh, shucks. And 
you know, uh, that's, that's not a business. That's not how you run a business. There, you, you clearly disclose all of your fees up front, and everybody knows what it is. We're all adults. You know, you're talking to an adult, and you tell them my service called diagnostic fee is, you know, whatever it is, and, you know, that, that covers me coming out, scheduling a time for you, coming out and troubleshooting your appliance. That's the fee for that. And then if there's a problem, I can quote you what that repair will cost. Well, so you get there and there's no problem currently manifesting on the appliance. That's not your problem. You can do your due diligence, though, and check it out. You can put it into diagnostic mode, retrieve error codes. You should be doing everything else to check it out. You can, uh, anything that's reasonable, loose connections, that kind of thing, you can look for those. And if there's, particularly if you've got to disassemble anything to take it apart, I mean, you're, anytime you've got to pull out tools and stuff, you're definitely you know, earning your pay there. But right. the other thing to do is think in terms of how do you add value to the service call. So, and that's things like customer education. <clears throat> Explain to them things like if you're there working on a dishwasher, tell them about detergents. If you're there working on a washing machine, talk to them about detergents, the need for using HE detergents. And, and there's a whole lot of different chemistry that you can be, that um, customers don't know about, but that you can explain to them. That means you Check need their to Check their hoses. Right, check the hose. It means you need to know about it too. So in other words, you're going to be effectively giving them a tutoring session on either their appliance or any other questions that they have about their other appliances. So in other words, you're looking for other ways to add value. Any other questions, any other things you want me to look at? I mean, you know, weird noises, take a, you know, something like that. I think there's a lot of ways to add value if you recognize the value of what you do and what you know. And I think this is kind of a, a common thing with technical people. We tend to devalue our time because we, we know this stuff. It's, it's native to us. All of these technical details that we know about appliances and technology and stuff, it's in us. And so we tend not to not value it. And we just like spew it out like pearls of wisdom. And oh, that didn't, that didn't take me anything. Yet it's all new information for your customer. That's value for your customer. It's really no oh, different yeah. than you go to a lawyer, right? What are you getting from your lawyer when, you, when, you pay, when you're paying them huge bucks? You're just getting their knowledge. That's all. That's what you're getting. You're paying for knowledge and information. And, and the reality is, information costs money. It costed. It costs us money to acquire that knowledge, and so uh, that your customer did not have. And so you are, uh, you are transmitting that knowledge, sharing that knowledge with the customer, effectively giving them a private tutoring session. Right, so. and there's there's leaf behinds you could have, like if you have those samples of finished quantum mm-hmm. that you can get for free from RB Rekabengheiser or whatever. Never say that right. Um, you could you could even have if you bought in bulk, you know, refrigerator thermometers. Leave one behind, you know, since you're collecting your fee. You could be sure to put a magnet on their fridge. Um, Great, see if they know. Idea. See if they know how to uh, clean their condenser on their fridge. Uh, make sure they're cleaning their dryer vent. I mean, there's all kinds of little things you can do, and they're really going to value that. Well, yeah, and if, it's you know, a good point on the refrigerators. If you're working on a refrigerator, one thing a lot of people don't understand is where do you set the controls? Everybody asks me, well, should I set it on eight? You know, if you've got the old style dial controls, mm-hmm. you know, or even like some of them are on the digital readout, you just press the numbers and it's just giving you a number from one to nine. Where should I set that? Well, and you're explaining to them how the controls work, how they interact with each other and the need for having thermometers in both compartments. And like I say, if you've got an extra one, you can even give them a leave, leave behind or even sell them as, a, as an add-on right. sale type thing and they'll, they'll appreciate it once they understand the importance of having it. 
But that kind of, that, these are ways, look for ways, I'm sure there's tons of other ways, you guys out there listening, you got tons of other ways that you can think of if you start thinking in that mode of how can I add value to what I'm doing here for this customer. Right. So. I would just add too that just be sure you've clearly communi- communicated what you t- communicated <laughs> like I do. <laughs> um, what you did on the appliance that they initially had a, a complaint about, you know, be sure you document it, that you put it in diagnostic mode, you check this or that, you know, just so that they're, you know, they, they know what you did, that you spent time on it. And um, That's we a great often point. document everything okay. you did, not only for your own mm-hmm. records, but it also reminds them of the value that you supplied when you were there on the service call. And you usually offer them a, a a deal where if if the problem does come back within a certain period of time. Ah, great. Yes. Right. Yes, that's our. Uh, we have three guarantees, and this is how we structure ours. I'm not saying this is the best way, but it's it works for us. And we have three guarantees. We call it our triple guarantee. So one of them is that the any repair that I do is guaranteed to fix the problem the first time, um, or they get 110 percent money back guarantee. So in other words, I troubleshoot and I say, yeah, you need a bad board. I replace the board and oops, guess what? I guessed wrong, <laughs> but I don't guess. I troubleshoot. And if I'm wrong, I eat it. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I, I, it's their choice at that point. They can either get 110% money back refund or I can go and troubleshoot again and figure out what it is. And then they would get that repair at that price regardless of the cost of the board. In other words, I just totally eat the cost of the board and the time and everything. By the way, that's never happened to me. I've never troubleshoot wrong like that. Um, the other, um, yeah, hot stuff. So, <laughs> <laughs> so the, but that's why I can guarantee that because I, you know, I know how to troubleshoot and get it right the first time. And mm-hmm. that's what you guys learn in the academy. So yes. the second guarantee though, which is on point here, and that's our, um, or I forget if it's our second or third, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. One of them is the 30-day second problem guarantee. So and whether I'm out there and no problems found or I'm out there and I actually do a repair, if the problem comes back or not, if, the, if a new problem develops within 30 days, unrelated to what I did, but a second problem develops within 30 days of that, I'll do that repair but less the service called diagnostic fee. That will be deducted from the repair quote because our repair... Um, quotes are, are, are three items, the service called diagnostic fee, plus the task fee, skill fee, and then plus the retail part. Those three mm-hmm. items added together makes our completed job rate. So they get the completed job rate for that second repair without the service call fee. If I'm there on a service call and no problems found, I still charge my service call diagnostic fee, but I, I make the same deal to them. If the problem occurs within 30 days, comes back within 30 days, call me. I will go back out at no charge. That has happened. In fact, that just happened recently. Um, and I'll go back out at no charge in order to, because in the hopes that maybe I can catch it in the act this time, but I can't troubleshoot right. what's not broken. I can put things in diagnostic mode and that kind of thing. So, yeah, that's that's the way to handle that. And and also, you're so you're still providing that window of value. And then really make good on it. So if they call back within 30 days and, oh, guess what? The problem's back. Really make good on it. Go back at no charge and, and take right. care of the problem. And maybe the problem will actually be there this time. So, yep. All right. So uh, I wanted to, I thought that was a good thing to talk about. And then uh, for, from a business talk standpoint, now did, we wanted to go right into tech talk after that. Is that right? Oh, we're just plowing through this. We are. And so we're not going to actually do a break. No. No, because of this, because we're on video and I don't want to do the whole eh. splitting and mixing and uh who needs to hear all that anyway, right? 
I mean, well, we could just like sing the music, but okay, that's enough. Okay, that's a good. <laughs> so tech. T- <laughs> All right. Okay, we get goofy when we yeah. have video going. A little goofy, a little too much coffee <laughs> this morning. I don't know. So tech talk. We want to move right into that. And then this one, yes, we good with tech talk. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, we wanted to go over a troubleshooting scenario that seems really simple. We've all dealt with this. I mean, all you guys have dealt with this. Uh, troubleshooting an electric dryer <clears throat> that doesn't heat. Known good power supply, and all of your you know thermal fuses are good. Um, so the, here's the setup: um, electric dryer, the elements not getting hot. Uh, good power supply, known good element, and uh, the elements still connected on the power wires. And now here's here's your me- here's the measurements that you make. So you have 120 volts AC from each end of that element with the wires still connected to it, right? To neutral, 120 volts is present from each end to neutral. But you have zero volts across the element terminals. What conclusion do you draw? Hmm. What contusion do you draw? A contusion is actually a cut, isn't it? Something like that. So are you wanting me to answer? Is that just letting our well, audience think about kind it for of letting a moment. it uh, sink in a little bit because I know a lot of uh, students uh, going working through basic electricity and troubleshooting in the fundamentals course they sometimes have trouble getting their mind around this because mm-hmm. it's it's you've got to understand voltage versus voltage drop in order to understand and visualize what's going on in this scenario so we're trying to do this without a, the um, aid of a visual to be able to trace it out with this would be a good little show me sketch type thing it would be well i can tell you one thing yeah go ahead that normally if if so the the dryer's running you know while you're doing this testing Mm -hmm. and the heater is a load and if it were operating properly you would have voltage drop across that load because that's what happens there the important point yes the heater is a load it is the only load in that circuit when it's heating. So that's mm-hmm. the, so we're, not, we're not assuming that there's any other load in series with that heating element. So in the case of with the dryer running, <clears throat> and if, it, if the heater were heating, and you measured, you put your voltmeter across the terminals of the heating element, you would measure 240 volts across mm-hmm. that element. That is a voltage drop across that element. Now, if you had another load in series with the heater, you would not measure 240 volts across the heating element. You would measure something less than that, and you're also going to measure some voltage drop across the other load that is in series with the heating element. Obviously, this doesn't happen. This is, just, this is hypothetical. This is for illustration mm-hmm. purposes only. We don't actually have this in electric dryers normally, unless we're talking about a loose connection in series with the element. And that's an abnormal condition. But if you have a load in series, the voltage drops across each load the sum of those voltage drops will add up to the source voltage. So let's say we had two elements in series with each other, just hypothetically, and they both had the exact same resistance. And, it's a, and they're both in series with each other in a 240 volts AC circuit. Okay, I put this question to you. What is the voltage drop going to be across each element? You put that to me? Yes. Would be 120. Yes. Yeah, now, why is that, Catamaran? 
well, in a series circuit, mm -hmm. the well, we're assuming that they're identical elements. Identical elements. So they have the same resistance. Identical so resistance. You get the the total voltage drop across how many ever components or loads you have will add up to the source voltage. Exactly. So in this case, if we just have two loads and they have identical resistance because the amount of voltage that's dropped is proportional to the resistance. Correct. So Very in good. this case, it's simple. It just divides up evenly between the two elements. Awesome. Rock on, girl. Yeah. Ooh, ooh. But <laughs> now, if you had people three really loads, need to watch this. If you had three loads, then what's the voltage drop going to be across each element? Three elements, identical resistance. Three identical. Well, 80. Because? Right? 8 times 3 is 20. 80 times 3 is 24. 240, I mean. Right. Yeah. And so, and, and similarly, if you have, let's just say you have two loads and one of them was 10 ohms, the other one was 5 ohms, you could calculate that voltage drop across each load, each element. But it's going to be different now because the one with the higher resistance is going to drop more voltage, right? Right. E is equal to I times R. The, and the current is going to be the same. Through a series circuit, the current is the same at every single point in the circuit. So that's the same through each of those elements. The current is the same. So you use E equals I times R in order to calculate that voltage drop across each element. So in the case of the 10 ohm, it's going to be that voltage drop is going to be the current times the 10 ohm resistance of that element. In the case of the 5 ohm element, it's going to be that voltage drop is going to be the current same current times the 5 ohm resistance right. of that element. Those two voltage drops will add up to 240 volts AC if it's a 240 volt AC source, right. which is what we're talking about here. I was going to say, since 10 is 2 times 5, you'll drop twice as much voltage across that one than you, you go, would girl. 5. Run those numbers. I will later. Okay. But, but yes, getting back exactly to the right. problem it's, scenario yeah. where you're measuring 0 volts across that heating element. Okay. That means there's no current flowing. Because if there were current flowing, there would be a voltage drop, but a there's not. You're drop. measuring zero. Right. So. so your voltage drop is a result of current flowing through a load. This is mm -hmm. very different from just a voltage potential. These are two very different things. You can have voltage with no voltage drop. How, do we, how does that work? Okay. Let's take the example now. We have... Let's just suppose the element is bad. The element's open. It's got a physical break in it. It's open. But we have L1 and L2 both present at each end of that element, right? So uh, L known good L1 right at one side of that element. Known good L2 right at the other side of that element. So we measure from L1 to neutral. What are we going to measure? Well, this is where I always get tripped up. Tell me the answer. It's 120 volts. You're still going to okay. measure That's what I thought. L1 to neutral is 120 volts. You're, on the other side, you're going to measure L2 to neutral. You're still going to measure 120 volts. Remember, this is what we talked about before, where the element was good, and we were, and we were still measuring 120 volts from each side of that element to neutral. Now the mm -hmm. element's bad, and we're still doing that. But in this case, both L1 and L2 are present. In the other case, mm -hmm. one of them was missing. Right. We're going to jump back to that in a second. But now in this case, L1 and L2 present, still measuring 120 volts from each side of that open element to neutral. Mm -hmm. Now, we're going to take our meter and we're going to measure across the element. What are we going to measure? You go, girl. Now, is this where we measure 240? Yes. Okay. Exactly. And why is that, Captain Ron? 
Well, it's, this gets back to where L1 and L2 are out of phase with each other, right? And well, they so are. And so you get the it, 240. This is exactly like if we were to go back into the circuit breaker box in the home and find mm-hmm. the L1 and L2 lug in that circuit breaker box and put our meter right there. What are we going to measure? We're going to measure 240 volts because we're measuring from L1 to L2. That's just the way mm-hmm. split phase, single phase systems work in North America. And we have a video on that that shows all of that stuff, explains right. that. The 12240 split phase system that we commonly run in almost every household in the country. Mm-hmm. You t- okay, I just talked about the circuit breaker box. Now, same analogy. You come up to each side of that heating element and you're measuring from the L1 side of that element to the L2 side of that element. You're still going to measure your 240 because the L1 side of that element is electrically identical point to the L1 side of your circuit breaker box. In other words, you could measure, uh, if you could do it, theoretically, continuity from L1 side of that element to the L1 lug in the circuit breaker box, and you would measure continuity. You would also measure zero voltage drop across, a voltage potential difference, rather, across those two points. You would measure zero potential difference. That's, these are electrically equivalent points. The two criteria for electrically equivalent points are they are in continuity with each other, and there is no voltage potential difference between them. Mm-hmm. And that's the case here. Similar, exact same thing with the L2 side. So those are electrically equivalent points. That's why with that element open and L1, L2 present, you're still going to measure your 240 volts. But in that case, what are we measuring? Is that a voltage potential difference or is that a voltage drop? Well, with we know because with the heat or not heating, that mm-hmm. tells us it's a potential. Right. And, and why is it not a voltage drop? Because there's no current flowing. Exactly. And so if you put your meter on there, you will measure zero current flowing. Right. Now, now this is where voltage measurements alone, I mean, without the obvious clue that the heater's not heating, right. can don't always tell the full story. Exactly. And so you don't know. And in, in that case, you can easily tell because the heater's giving off heat. But suppose you're testing another load that's buried deep in the bowels of the appliance somewhere. And, and maybe it's another motor. Maybe, it, maybe it's a door lock motor in a range or something. And you don't know if that thing is actually even trying to work. Well, you can measure and see if it's getting voltage. That's great. But is my, you can, you can check and see. But is, does that mean the motor is even trying to run? Well, you can measure the current flow. You can also de-energize the circuit, disconnect the wires at your remote electrical equivalent point where you're testing the motor, usually on the control board, and see, am I getting continuity through that motor, uh, the motor windings? You can check that. It'll be something in the K-ohms, uh, typically, on a door lock motor. But there may be some other types of loads where maybe you can't do it that easily. And maybe instead what you want to do is measure the current draw. That's another thing mm-hmm. to do. Because if you have voltage and you have current flowing through that circuit, then there will be a voltage drop across that load. If there is not a voltage drop, then you have what's called a short circuit. And the house circuit breaker will trip almost immediately. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's just the fact. So if you have voltage and you have current flow, then there is a load that is doing work and you can measure the current flow through that circuit and that tells you that you, then that you're dealing with a voltage drop. So voltage drop always has to do with current flowing through a load. Voltage potential difference, there's just, a, just that, potential difference. May or may not be current flow until you verify that there's current flow or not. Let's go back to our dryer um, heating element mm-hmm. example. So we were just talking, we left off talking about where the heating element is open and you're measuring that voltage. You got 240 volts across that element, but the element's not getting hot because it's open. Of course, you can measure continuity. It's open, infinite, infinite uh, resistance, and of course, zero current draw through it. 
let's just immediately swap it out with a good element. Now we measure, we put, we put our probes on there to measure voltage at the, at the element terminals. Guess what? We still measure 240 volts. But, and now we put our current, our clamp on amp meter on there, we're measuring like 8 amps or something. That tells us right away that 240 volts that we're measuring is a voltage drop because that's mm-hmm. the voltage being dropped across that heating element. Voltage versus voltage drop. And then this right. also brings in that whole idea of L1, L2, and neutral in split phase, single phase household circuits. So yes, you will still, going back to the very first example where I talked about where you are, now you've got a good element, right? You've got um, good power supply to the dryer. And you go there to the one side of the element, you're measuring 120 volts and wires still connected to the element. 120 volts from one side of that element to neutral, right? So that you, that's just L1, L2. You're going to measure 120 volts to neutral. You go to the other side of the element, wires still connected. You measure 120 volts from the other side of the element to neutral. Of course, you measure across the element and it's zero. What does this tell you? It tells me a couple of things. First of all, the current's not flowing. Right. Right, because, um, and we have no voltage drop across that element. But why aren't we mis- measuring 120 volts? I mean, we're getting 120 volts from one side of that element to neutral, but why aren't I getting it other th- the, on the other side? Well, if there's no current flowing through that element, there's no voltage drop across that element. In that case, the element is acting like a wire. Mm-hmm. You're, you're feeling the voltage on both one side of the element and on the other side. The voltage is said to be present. That's how we say it. We say voltage mm-hmm. is present at both sides of that element. And, but it's not a voltage drop. It's just a potential. But in, and in that scenario, that 120 volts is only coming from one side then, either L1 or L2. Thank you. That's what I was getting to. Exactly right. Exactly right. So what the only conclusion you can draw there is that one of your lines are missing. You're either Mm L1 or L2. How do you determine which one? Guess. Flip a coin. (laughs) And I think uh, probably a lot of guys do that, but there's no need to do that. All you got to do is, of course, de-energize the circuit, uh, unplug, whatever, remove one of the wires to the element. Now you have physically half-split that circuit. The -hmm. half-splitting is taking place precisely at L1 to L2. So you remove one of those wires, physically disconnect it, secure it so that the open end can't touch anything metal, and also make sure that your element's not going to touch anything else. Plug it back in. Now you measure from one side of the element that's still connected, to the wire, so if one of the one of the lines connected to it to neutral, and let's say you're getting your 120 volts there. Now you go to that wire that was connected, but it is now disconnected and it's dangling in the air. You measure from there to neutral, and you get your zero. You get you measure zero. You're not going to measure 120 mm-hmm. volts there. You're going to measure zero because that's the missing line. Now you look on your schematic and you and you can figure out you've effectively cut your problem in half. Now you know which side of your circuit is not giving you your your voltage. One of your lines is missing. Your schematic will identify whether it's line one or line two. And then you can look for the the place where it's there's an open or right, something go going on. Now let me go back though to the element. Now we have the <laughs> element. We've got one wire connected to one of the element terminals, right? The other element terminal is just nothing connected to it. Its wires disconnected and clipped and dangling somewhere. Now you're going to measure from that uh, wire element terminal 
to neutral. The one that doesn't have the wire connected to it to neutral. Now what are you going to measure? You mean if that side was good? Well, no. Okay. We're back to the scenario or, where the element's still okay. good. You've got, we've got, we've physically disconnected one wire from the element. Mm-hmm. We go to the, to that side of the element with the wire still connected to the element and we measure mm-hmm. from there to neutral, we get 120 volts. We keep our one lead on, on at the neutral. We move our other lead that's on that wired end of the element to the unwired end. What do we call that? The unplugged element end? Just the oh, the disconnected, disconnected end. Disconnected okay. end. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. We go to the, put our lead on the disconnected terminal end. Now what do we measure? Well, that should still measure 120. Yes. Why is that? Exactly right. Oh. And why is that? Because the element's just acting like a wire. Yes, because the voltage is still present there. Mm -hmm. The voltage is still present at both sides. And all you're measuring there is what? Are we measuring a voltage drop? Is that a voltage drop or a voltage potential? Well, it'd have to be a potential. I mean, the the element can't be running there can't be current right. flowing with that other wire disconnected and so as 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 and that's great and it's as obvious and as straightforward as that seems this is a concept that trips up some guys and it, one of our students is struggling with this how can you measure the voltage potential difference when there's no path for current to flow and yes in this case in the case of a 240 volt element there is no path there is no normal path between l1 or l2 and neutral you are simply mm-hmm. measuring the potential difference knowing that between L1 to neutral should measure 120 volts. From L2 to neutral should measure 120 volts, everywhere you measure that. Um, And so this is a way of testing for the presence of L1 or the presence of L2. Does that Mm -hmm. make sense? So you don't need a a current path to measure voltage potential difference. That's that's what I wanted to illustrate there. Right. Does that make sense? Well, it does to me, but I've... Because this isn't something I had a background in, I've had to uh, struggle to learn this. And I think I've finally gotten it pretty well, but it's taken a while, so I can sympathize with our students well, that's who are working good, on this. That's why it's so, I think, very helpful for, for us uh, people listening and watching. And I hope you guys think the same way. For us to talk about this with each other, because I can sort of bounce this off of you, and you can, mm-hmm. you can give me feedback as to whether or not, you know, real time as to whether I'm making sense or not. Is it clear what I'm explaining or not? Mm-hmm. And, you know, if it's not, if I'm sounding like a bunch of babble, then tell me that too. So. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Well, and same goes with you guys too. So if you got any questions, follow-up questions or comments or uh, elaborations you'd like to hear on these types of things, these, these uh, fundamental type concepts. These are, this is all fundamental type stuff that we teach in the fundamentals course in basic electricity and troubleshooting. These are the basic bag of skills that tech should have. Um, when, if you call yourself an appliance technician, as opposed to appliance parts changer, technicians know all this stuff. They know about motors. They know about uh, you know specialty appliance parts. They know about control boards. They know how to troubleshoot using a schematic. They know about circuits and how circuits work. They know the difference between voltage potential and voltage drop. This is this basic fundamental building block stuff that every tech should have just packed in their head as part of their mental arsenal. And that's mm-hmm. why it's all taught in the fundamentals course, because it's called that because the fundamentals is the basic stuff that every tech should have and bring to bear on a, you know, with them as, if they're going to use the name technician to describe themselves. Yeah. So, all right. So let us know if you've got any other comments or suggestions on that. And I think with that, we'll go ahead and uh, wrap up this special yes. vodcast episode. <laughs>
of Master Samurai Tech Radio that you've been listening to. And I just want to uh, point out, too, that you can go right to our podcast page at mstradio.com. Right? mstradio.com? Yeah. I think that's it, right? Yeah. mstradio.com. So <laughs> we get so many URLs. Sometimes I'll I w- start to I, I was quizzing you, Ann. That was a quiz. So, was, yeah. so our blog is at mstblog.info.info. <laughs> And our podcast landing page, where you can get all the subscription options, both on iTunes and Android, etc., is at mstradio.com. And you can listen to all the past episodes there as well. So, all right, well, appreciate you guys tuning in and listening to us, putting up with watching us. And, uh, you know, here we are on our bad hair days with our faces hanging out. And I speak for yourself. Oh, I'm, no, you look beautiful. You're, you're what makes it so graceful, gracing the screen. I, was, I meant to say me, but... Uh, <laughs> but no, my, my lovely bride, you're, you're even more beautiful than the day I married you. So, oh. all right. I have to say, hopefully I got out of trouble on that one, guys. All right. So <laughs> good thing we're a thousand miles apart. Yeah, right. All right. Well, uh, we'll go ahead and lock out on that one. So, all right, guys, thanks for listening and y'all have a great day. Sayonara. Bye.